Welcome to this video Bible class brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. We will be in 1 John in chapter 3, beginning with verse 19. 1 John chapter 3, beginning with verse 19. Let's think about how we should be conducting our lives as Christians. In the New Testament, there are very clear statements of how we should be living. Statements like walking in the light, practicing righteousness, abiding in Christ. These descriptions find their meaning in the specific teaching of Scripture directing us about our conduct, our thoughts, our words and deeds. John, in this section of the epistle, takes us to the very specific matter of the love of Christ that should be living in us and through us. That will need our attention this time in 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given to us. I want to begin in our study of this passage with something that may for just a moment or two seem difficult, but if we'll follow this through the context and move carefully from phrase to phrase, it will help us. I want you to look at the two words in verse 19, by this. And if you have the King James Version, if you have the New King James Version, it may say, and by this, depending upon which edition of that version you have. We would call this a pronoun phrase, and it would refer to loving, not just in word, but in deed and in truth. Now, we know that because of the context. Anytime you come to a pronoun, you look back and find what it refers to. So combine verse 18 and 19. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Loving as God intends for us to love in deed and in truth in this, we know that we are of the truth. And the result of that knowledge is personal assurance. So I want to say this to us. 
personal assurance comes through personal practice. As I practice what God has said I need to practice in the daily activity of my life, I have personal assurance that I'm pleasing God. Here is how simple this is. If you're doing what God says you ought to do about the practice of love in that behavior, in this, John says, there is assurance. Your personal assurance comes through your personal practice. And when I read verses 18 and 19 together, I see nothing deeper than that. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. If I practice love according to what God says love is, and I do that in deed and in truth, in that behavior that I participate in, there is assurance in my heart before God of his approval. Your personal practice comes through, uh, I'm sorry, your personal assurance comes through your personal practice. Now, from this observation, John makes what might be called a subordinate point, that is to say something related to this, in verse 20. In verse 20, the related or the subordinate point. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. That's a subordinate point. It clarifies what has just been stated. It is important now to keep everything tightly connected within this context. If we love as God directs that we should indeed and in truth, by this we know our behavior is right, and therefore we have assurance. Now, John clarifies that. He extends that to make his point in verse 20. Though we condemn ourselves, if we have God's approval, obviously he knows all things. He is superior to us. Our confidence should be based on God's approval conveyed in his word. He is greater than our hearts and knows all things. We are tempted, I know, to look for something deeper in this, to complicate it. I see something exceedingly simple. If you let the context inform your conclusion, if you practice love as God directs in deed and in truth, in that behavior that God directs, there is assurance that you please God. Any doubts you have within, any condemnation of yourself should be eliminated by the greater judgment of God that is conveyed to us in his word. When God directs us and we follow his directions, in this case regarding love, there is assurance we have in compliance with his will. Verse 21 adds, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. The source or ground of our confidence is God. Not our emotions temporarily, but God. He gives direction. We comply. In our practice of what he directs, we have assurance. 
if we put our heart and our emotions fully under his authority and live by his authority, what do we have? Confidence toward God. So, look at verses 19 through 21. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Here's an early takeaway I'm going to give us. You know, the impact of this teaching depends upon your present relationship with God. Either this is an awful thought because you are not loving in deed and in truth, and therefore you're condemned. Or this is an encouraging thought for those who are loving in deed and truth, therefore approved by God, who said love in deed and in truth. God knows what we're doing. He approves, and we ought to take confidence in that. Verse 22, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 22 follows up with another aspect of this assurance that we have when we follow God's direction. There is great assurance when we ask and receive. Now, if I find that attractive, if I want to ask and receive from God, I should involve myself in keeping his commandments, doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. Would you listen again? And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Here's another case where the apostle John connects one thing to another, and we ought not to be inclined to disconnect it. He connects receiving with obeying. If I want to receive what I ask from God, my part in that, my part in that is to please him, diligently seeking to keep his commandments. And one example is loving in deed and in truth. For those who are loving in deed and in truth and keeping God's commandments, even in our moments of emotional doubt, we ought to find great assurance in this paragraph. Little children, starting back at verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. The Father is attentive to the prayers of his faithful children. More about that in a few moments. But the Father is attentive to the prayers of his faithful children. Verse 23. 
And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. There is a popular and traditional religious teaching that promises salvation by faith alone or faith only. And this is one of the results of the powerful theological system developed by John Calvin that informed and controlled Protestant creeds. In our nation and in this generation, Billy Graham and his ministry has championed that teaching, teaching salvation at the point of faith before faith becomes active or obedient. And this doctrine has led many to deny that baptism is essential, for example. They advocate salvation by faith only. The doctrine of salvation by faith only fails the test of Scripture. Let me go through some of that with you. Mark 16, 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Jesus said this, and it does not teach faith only. Belief in him must produce obedience to him in baptism in order to be saved. Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Just look at what the Apostle Peter said. Without coloring your interpretation with creed or tradition, if you hear the gospel and repent, but just neglect or dismiss baptism, do you think you receive the remission of sins? In Acts 10, verse 35, Peter said, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. In James 2, 14 through 16, read that entire passage and don't miss the conclusion, faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. All right. We can add 1 John 3, 23 to the testimony of Scripture against faith only and in favor of active obedient faith, both initially and after baptism. Twice in this verse, John uses the word commandment. This is the commandment. He gave us commandments. Now, every Bible student knows what God expects us to do with commandments. His commandments are given for our obedient response to govern and direct our behavior away from sin into the light of God to be forgiven by Christ. Here's a verse about faith in Christ, believing on the name of the Son of God, and this belief is connected to commandments given by God. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. By what sort of doctrinal leap can we grab belief out of this verse, isolate it, and then tell people or imply that mental acceptance of Christ saves the sinner before and apart from obedience. One proper function of this verse is to show the activity of faith. Faith discovers its existence in activity. 
Look at this verse again, 1 John 3, 23. And notice, whatever believe means in this verse, it is not a solitary condition. We should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandment. Do you think we can leave love out of this? Is love active? Remember, we've already learned that love must be indeed and in truth. Everywhere in the Bible, when we read about the faith and love God requires, there is the activity that is produced by it. It's the activity of obedience. Verse 23 is John telling us what we should do in our belief of Christ. What he highlights here is the activity of love in response to the command of God. Verse 24. <clears throat> First, from the New King James. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now, I'm going to make an argument here. I'm going to take us down a little pathway for a moment that first may seem trivial, but if you would indulge me for a moment, look at verse 24, and I would like to call our attention to two little words, as it is in the New King James, he, who, or in the English Standard Version, whoever. Often in the scriptures, there is this kind of grammatical construction where persons receiving blessings are described in terms of what they do. The person who does this enjoys this benefit or shows this attachment or relationship. And so he who is followed by a description of what must be done to enjoy the benefits promised. The classic example of that I mentioned earlier, Mark 16, 16, where Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you want the salvation promised by Jesus, it is necessary to believe in him and be baptized. Now consider this verse, 1 John 3, 24. He who keeps his commandments abides in him. Whatever blessing there is abiding in him to live there, I must keep his commandments. Isn't that true? Approach it this way. Who abides in him? The answer from John, he who keeps his commandments. Jesus died so that we could be forgiven of not keeping his commandments and then in Christ engage in keeping his commandments. Or in the ESV, whoever, and whoever is followed by the action to be taken to abide in him. <clears throat> and by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. As we keep his commandments, we abide in deity. And in that participation, we have assurance from the Spirit. The Spirit was given to the apostles. The apostles wrote what those commandments are. 
the apostles wrote what the Spirit gave to them for our learning. I will say this. Never accept any viewpoint or claim about the Holy Spirit that goes against or is said to supplement the word already given by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, 17 says, the Spirit uses the word. If you ever separate the Spirit from the work of revealing the word, you're incorrect in that interpretation. So, 1 John 3, 19 through 24, and then our takeaways. 1 John 3, 19 through 24. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Takeaways. 1 John 3, 19 through 24. Concentrate on what John says in verse 20, that God is greater than our heart. There may be times in your life when you listen to your own emotions and not God. For whatever reason, you acquire a mood of false guilt and you beat yourself down when in fact you're doing all that you know to do written in the word of God. Well, John says about that. God is greater than our heart. He knows everything, and our confidence should be directly tied to our commitment to his word and the promise he has given. John is saying that one's relationship with God does not depend on how we feel at a given moment. It depends on what God says, and God's approval is based on our doing what he says. I know that we all like what is written in verse 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Receiving from him is connected to keeping his commandments and doing what pleases him. I need to remember that when I pray, and I need to remember that before and after I pray. For those who place their faith in Christ and act on that faith, God steps into time and we receive from him according to his will. Marvelous passage here for Christians. And next time, on April the 4th, we're going to 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. Thank you for being with us.